20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another Pack a Day Podcast episode. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here, as always, with Andrew Mertig. It's Friday, Andrew. We are back, and it is good to be here to talk some football and get into the Green Bay Packers. Great to be back, but I do have to acknowledge that you flipped the intro there. <laughs> what was that all about? I, I, I swear, sometimes I hear your voice in the intro before I even listen to the episode. It, it becomes such like muscle memory that when you like switch a word, it like throws everything off. And then I'm like, I don't even know what this is anymore. So, but we made it through, we started the episode. Um, you were frozen in a really strange position on your oh. video. And so that's why I was laughing, but you're fixed now. So we're, we're good. We can continue. That's great. <laughs> I have to tell you, there was a realization that came over me right before we started recording, and that is that Saturday afternoon, we are going to know who the Packers 53 are. We're probably going to know who that expanded practice squad roster is. And next week, when we record at the same time, we record on Thursday nights, sorry to unveil that curtain, there's going to be a football game going on. Like, it's- we're not going to be able to see the entire Texans-Chiefs matchup because there's going to be a football game going on, or because we were podcast during the football game. I'm so excited about this. And then we are going to be talking about week one of the NFL season. It, it, it's, it's almost unbelievable yes. how quickly time has gone by. So much is going to happen just between now, Thursday night, again, surprise, we're recording Thursday night. But Thursday night and Saturday, like Andrew said, and then, I mean, this week is just going to be bonkers. We're here. It feels so much more um, dramatic because we haven't had the building of the preseason games and the like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I wish it was real football, you know, and all these things. And now it's all of a sudden going to be here. So, uh, so thankful we're going to be having football in exactly one week from now. But Andrew, are we ready to get into uh, our show today? I am uh, tying up my boxing gloves as we speak. Okay, Andrew's uh, tipping the topic for you there a little bit. Uh, Last week, Andrew and I had some disagreement and misunderstanding over what the word talent means. Uh, But for the most part, we kept the peace. At the end of the episode, we joked that next week we would be back to fight each other. We were joking. But some of you on Twitter wanted to see that fight, and honestly... Who are we to not give the people what they want? So today, the theme of the show is let's fight about it. Andrew and I have identified some things that we feel pretty strongly about and that we see very differently. And rather than playing nice this week, today we've decided to die on every single one of these hills. Um, In the words of Kirk Cousins, appropriately, if we die, we die. Even though we are now sworn enemies, I am still the gentleman of the pair. So I'm going to let you go first, Andrew, uh, and let you decide where do you want to begin in all of this madness? Wow, really? You're going to go go at me like that? Yeah, so, I took a low um, shot first. Kirk Cousins, 
best Ivan Drago impression uh, nice. was pretty pathetic. And uh, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the first topic is going to be wide receiver two. And I think this is something that we've been debating probably since last offseason. And um, for me, the obvious answer here is Equinemius St. Brown, because he is the most talented wide receiver on the roster, Kyle. (laughs) He he just got up and left. He stormed out. He was so upset about that. And yeah, I was wrong about what the term talent meant. But like any good American, I'm not going to let being wrong get in the way of my opinion. So... For whatever reason, the Packers don't listen to me telling them how good ESB is. Um, But in all seriousness, I do think he is going to have a really strong season if he's healthy. But my real answer are all indications out of camp are that Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Marquez (laughs) Valdez-Scantling, has been the apple of everyone's eyes. And I, I really do think he takes that infamous year three leap and adds route running precision to that deep threat ability. And... Historically, I have not been incredibly high in MVS, but the way Aaron Rodgers talked about him really makes me a believer. So I'm going to choose him as my wide receiver, too, because I think he'll be the second most productive Packers wide receiver in terms of catches and yards. So I want to clarify that. I missed half of that because I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to get my earbuds back into my ears after I stormed <laughs> off the set. Tore your headset off <laughs> when fake stormed out. Oh, and yeah. then you missed everything. I was say. My, my, my point is, I think MVS is wide receiver too. And I say that not because I think necessarily he's going to have the second most staffs or he's always going to be the starter. But I, I, I do think he's going to be the second highest wide receiver on the Packers roster in terms of catches and yards receiving. Thank you for that summary. We do still disagree completely. So thank you for letting me know that that's where we're at. Um, I will admit that I have been out on MBS since the end of last season, but it doesn't seem, it seems like he's put himself in a different place this offseason than where he ended last offseason. He's put together a nice camp and seems to be on pace to really have a better 2020. I'm hoping that that's the case, but there is no way that he is wide receiver two for this football team because that, my friend, is friend of the podcast, Alan Lazard. Lazard entered camp as the assumed wide receiver two, and he has done nothing but be reliable and consistent throughout. And when we talked with Lazard a few weeks back, he said that he's really poured himself into the mental side of things this offseason. And so I really do think that we are going to see that jump from Lazard as we enter the season. And we've seen the kind of trust that Alan Alan Rodgers, wow, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers has had in Lazard already to this point. And I fully expect that to just grow um, by leaps and bounds this season. And I know that we've heard all of Rodgers' comments that MVS is the receiver that has impressed him the most during camp. And some of that is obviously true. But these are also the comments of a leader that is a leader makes these comments about a player who has struggled with confidence throughout his career. Rogers has also made comments about how the next step for MVS is learning to bring it every single day and learning to become a pro. And so I think that Rogers knows just what MVS can unlock for this offense if he's able to become that reliable player. I think he said some of those things to hopefully help him get to that place 
whether that's mentally or or whatever. But I completely believe that Lazard is entrenched as wide receiver two at this point and will be that second option really all season for this team. All right, you've convinced me. It's that. <laughs> yeah, you win. You win, Kyle. Fine. So yes. I was I was thinking while you were talking because I never actually listen to what you're gonna say. I appreciate um, I, that honestly. Like any good partner, I have no idea what you're saying any of the time. But I was thinking, you know, you know those like terrible sports shows. I don't watch any of them, but there's like Skip Bayless and um, Stephen A. Smith like shouting at each other across the yeah. desk. Like I think yeah. that was the intention of this, but I don't think we have the vitriol to like pull it off. But I will say this, I and Alan Lazard is awesome. If MVS came on the show, I'd probably be a little bit more convinced that he should be wide receiver <laughs> too. So hint, hint to him. He did buy his mom a car. That was on Twitter That's this week. But cool. yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, maybe the answer to this question doesn't even matter because the Packers rotate their wide receivers so much. But my hope is that wide receiver two is going to be a debate going forward because they have two or three guys who are really good, and it isn't so much a player earning that title because they don't have anyone else opposite of Devontae. Nice. Well, you didn't throw your headset, so at least you're like one up in like the being a uh, good sport category on the show. But um, our next point of contention is one that the Packers seem to have solved for us just today we are going to fight over who the Packers cornerback three was going to be and as much as I love Shannon Sullivan hear me say that I was going to argue that Josh Jackson would be the team's third cornerback this season Uh, of course today Mike Pettin being someone who actually works for the Packers or something came out and crowned Shannon Sullivan the starter in the slot and we know that King and Jair obviously will be the other starters on the outside so to me this debate is kind of dead it doesn't really matter what I think anymore. But my argument was going to be that Shannon isn't really a perimeter corner. And so he doesn't really give the Packers the flexibility to pull Jair inside if they feel like the opposing slot receiver presents the biggest challenge in the game. And so I love the flexibility that Josh Jackson could have given this team. Petten did say that Jackson will see significant minutes, quote, of playing time for this defense. So we'll see how this all takes shape, but it already seems like Mike Pettin is siding with you here, Andrew, because I know uh, you are going to disagree with me here um, that that CB3 spot should probably belong to one Shannon Sullivan. You know, you had every opportunity to just throw me under the bus when you got to go first on this one. I know. You really should have done I know. it. I, I have. definitely would have. I would have <laughs> changed mine and then made you look like a fool. But, uh, what, you know, I I think, I, I actually, I will agree with you on this. I loved the idea of Josh Jackson as an outside corner and then putting Jair in the slot. But I would only recommend that if I got to see Jackson play in some preseason games. So even, you know, some of the high notes that we heard out of camp, I, I think – there was a lot of inconsistency mixed into that. And so I would definitely want to see some more out of Josh Jackson before I'd advocate him as being what is essentially a starting position on the team. 
And Sullivan has been so impressive for a guy who we didn't even think would make the roster at this time last year. He's the right decision, and hopefully that will allow Jair to shadow opponents' best wide receiver. And maybe Sullivan can play outside if he's forced into that. And Josh Jackson is definitely going to get called upon at times this year to fill in. And, of course, we know that Mike Patton loves to run dime. So I hope the progress we've heard about continues because the lack of depth at cornerback can absolutely end a season see gunter comma ladarius <laughs> for proof of that so a side note i had said my udfa this year was stanford samuels the moment they announced his signing he looks like a strong candidate to make the roster kyle and mm-hmm. i just want to reiterate that i am the conductor on the stanford samuels train and I have been seeing people tweet about this, and they've been saying, my boy, Sam for Samuels, I, I, all along, it was going to be so good. And I am here on the Packaday podcast to say, shut up. Shut up, you. This is my guy. I think you forgot you're supposed to be fighting me and not, like, the people on Twitter because like, you're yelling at them. Whoever you put in front of me. I was on the Sam Shields train before anybody, too, and look how good that one turned out. Like, now, we don't have to talk about any failures, only successes. Only this this is a Wendy's drive through Andrew. <laughs> so the next topic that we're going to talk about is, is the weakest position on the roster. And this was really interesting to consider this. I, I took a lot more time thinking about this than I thought I would. And I definitely wouldn't have said this leading into camp, but I believe it is tight end. Um, and this is all based on the reporting coming out of camp. Obviously, these are kind of tough things to talk about because we don't have any visual evidence to back it up. But it does seem like Jay Sternberger hasn't taken the step forward that we all expected. I would imagine Mercedes Lewis is sure to continue to be a fantastic blocker. But it sounds like big Bob Tanyan is likely to be the starter. So... Maybe he made a fantastic jump this offseason. I don't know why anyone would want to try to look like George Kittle. We've talked about this before. Um, (laughs) But he's even doing an impression of that. And I know that they work out together. So hopefully Tanyan could be like a 75% version of Kittle and the Packers would have a fantastic starter. But at this point, we have just no idea. Pro Football Focus had Mercedes as the 15th best graded tight end in the league last year, which surprised me. Um, But the rest of the players were really rough. So, you know, you have Evan Bayless. Maybe he's a surprise guy to push for a roster spot. But, you know, other than number 12, giving him a shout out last year, I don't know that that makes any waves. And then... You're going you're gonna to be mad about this, but I'm not counting Josiah DeGuerra in this group. And that's because he's going to be playing all over the place, so I don't want to give him a label and say he's a tight end. Uh, overall, for me, this position is going to need a marked improvement to have any chance to be a factor at all in this offense and not be the weak point of that group. So I will give you that this is an interesting group relative to maybe where we thought it was going to be entering the offseason and then entering camp, especially considering that the Packers did add an additional person to this group in DeGuara, who I will include in this group just despite you because he's a tight end. Um, but, um, you know, I don't so, think... So would you consider Kyle Juszczyk a tight end, Kyle? I'm just, we haven't seen him used exclusively in that role, okay? We have no preseason tape. To go on. Um, 
No, I mean, I'm with you. I don't need no stinking tape. I have my instinct. Oh, wait. (laughs) All right. Sorry. Uh, I thought we were, like, all about the tape. I'm so confused. I thought thought we were supposed to be more like these shows where we just shout over each other. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Jeez, I forgot. Um, So, seriously, I'm with you. This This is a position group that we kind of thought was on the rise, and we had some young emerging talent. But I do think where I would say that that is not my primary concern as the weakest point in this roster is that I do think that there is still some ascending talent. I think you can still say that Tanya is ascending. I think you can say DeGuara is obviously going to be ascending. I think you can say the Sternberger is going to ascend. I think, obviously, he had a little bit of a slow start into camp, and that might have played a role in that. And then even as a floor, Mercedes Lewis is a reliable player that you can count on in so many different formations. So for me... This is not a spot that I think is going to set this team back and prevent how far that they can go. For me, the right answer here, Andrew, if you pay attention, is right tackle. Um, If you consider the whole offensive line as a whole, then Green Bay is in pretty decent shape. Not many NFL teams can say that they feel pretty good about four of their five starters. But if we isolate the right tackle position, man, I don't know. I, I know Brian Belaga was expensive. But was he that expensive? I mean, I love Brian Gutekinds, and I know the Packers need the cash to pay uh, David Bakhtiari. But this right tackle spot is looking pretty, uh, what's the word, like treacherous, right? I'm not sure that the Packers feel that they can trust either of their guys there right now. Both have struggled with injury, and the drop-off from Balaga has been exactly as noticeable as we feared that it would be. And Jared Valdir is still available, and he's made it clear that he's available if the Packers were to call him. But the problem is, if you pay Valdir and you've paid Wagner, and you're still paying Turner a ton of money, well, those contracts all add up to more than what Brian Balaga is making in San Diego. So it's a tough look for the front office to go that route. But I definitely say that right tackle, to me, looks like the weak link on this team right now. Hopefully that all stabilizes here as we get into the regular season here and we hit some health with these players. But, man, I will say I'm a little bit concerned about that right side right now. So uh, what's that team in San Diego that Brian Belaga is playing for? <laughs> I don't know. It's an it's a expansion the team. The XFL? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. I knew it. I, I I knew you were going to screw that up. I didn't even um, catch it at all. So oh. Ryan Belaga has not been utilized enough in hard knocks, in my opinion. Just FYI. Because, like, well, hard knocks has been awful this year. But that's besides the point. You're, <laughs> I, I, I see your argument. For me, though, like, there's three players with NFL starting experience who could play there. You have Rick Wagner. You have Billy Turner. You have Lane Taylor. So I'm going to say you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, but Lane Taylor's a guard. Like he's gonna be a guard. So you have two, and they're both beat up, and they both make you really upset inside. So like, I don't know what you to do with it. To remember Baltimore Raven Rick Wagner, and I have a lot of confidence. Yeah, that he's what? gonna be really good this season. You you mentioned that these guys all have starting experience in the NFL. Marshall Newhouse has an extreme amount of experience starting in the NFL. So there I understand that like NFL offensive lines are thin and everybody's looking for starters, but man, like 
Oh, we're so used to having good ones. And I know that's because we're spoiled, right? We had so many years of Bakhtiari and Balaga, but man, we may have a we may we may have to win in some different ways than we when we've been used to with the the edge, you know, rushers being contained the way that they have the last couple of years. I will totally agree with you um, to a point. I, I I still do have uh, more apprehension about the tight end position than I do right tackle. But there's a couple points I want to make. Number one is we all remember Marshall Newhouse, the disaster that he was in Green Bay. And he has actually turned into a pretty serviceable NFL offensive lineman. But we, we're all shell-shocked from that. And and I, I feel like that relates to... I'm going to mispronounce his name, but I think it was Breno Giocomini. Um, he was the offensive oh, tackle yeah. that was in the Packers, and they cut him, and he ended up yeah. going to Seattle and becoming a starter there. And then the Jets paid him a lot of money. And he was an example of a guy who like was a nightmare in Green Bay and then turned into a, a decent <laughs> offensive lineman. And that's my one thing, um, getting really off topic here, that <laughs> we often – like want to give up on players really quickly. And the Packers tend not to do that. And and we don't see these things happen very frequently. Um, Marshall Newhouse needed to go. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm glad that he turned into a pretty solid player. And there are some yeah. solid veteran tackles out there. And, you know, we've talked about this probably the last three weeks in a row. Like, yeah. what's going on that the Packers aren't reaching out to these guys? Like, where is Valdir? He's not mm-hmm. signed. And so does that mean that they really have that much confidence in Rick Wagner? And the second thing that I wanted to mention, both Billy Turner and Rick Wagner are going to be better in the run game than they are in the pass game. And so you wonder, are the Packers going to be a more traditional, um, you know, power rush to the right? Are are they going to use Jones off tackle over there a lot more? Um, And then are they going to be like a heavy run set team that, that is going to play action a lot? And we we assume that um, based on their personnel, but you know we we don't get to see them in the preseason, and we didn't get to see a lot of um, camp and stuff, so we just don't know. Yeah, yeah, and we've speculated so, that you know they're both concerning positions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if if we're gonna come back to a place of unity that we're not supposed to, that these are both spots that we're a little bit you know we don't know what's gonna happen there, and that that's okay. We'll. We'll get to see live action in games that matter and not in a preseason like we normally would. So uh, reason to be nervous. But um, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of those long shot players uh, to make the roster here. And you brought up a name earlier that I am going to use that you are going to be upset that I use because it's your guy. So uh, Stanford Samuel, here we go, is the cornerback that I'm going to mention here. Uh, Samuel's tape at Florida State was actually pretty good, but he tested poorly at the combine, running an especially slow 40 times, something like a 4-6-5 or something in that range. But Samuels has made some plays in camp. He's gotten a couple of interceptions, and it seems like he's played well enough that he might actually have earned a roster spot um, and that Green Bay may be nervous that another team might pick him up. So Stanford Samuels is a name not a lot of fans probably are familiar with, but I think he's the undrafted free agent that makes this team. Long shot. I know you're mad at me. Long shot. (laughs) Kyle, he's making the team. Not a long shot. How dare you? Boo this man. (laughs) Um, okay, fine, fine, all right. I've got a second name for you because oh. uh, 
I was thinking because I was like, he's already getting me mad when I, when he brought up Stanford <laughs> Samuel earlier. Um, Malik Turner, the wide receiver. I think there is a log jam at receiver after the top three or four guys, uh, Adam Lazard, MBS, and probably even St. Brown in that in that group that they would have a hard time letting go. I think there are a lot of guys who've shown that they can play between Bagleton, Shepard, Kumaro, and it gets crowded fast there. But Malik Turner has done just enough in the limited time that he's had. You know, a lot of those guys had snaps last year, you know, Shepard and Kumaro. He's done a lot in a couple of weeks to intrigue me. And so he's my super dark horse here. If you don't like uh, Stanford Samuel, I'll give you this name instead. Turner came into uh, a position with competition stacked against him. It's a really deep group in that there's not a lot of top guys there, but everybody's wanting in the spots. And he's shown up. And I've seen some Seattle fans knock him for his hands. But we've seen players like Devontae Adams get some of those drop issues worked out. So I'd like to see Malik Turner stick around a little bit and see if this is a guy that the Packers uh, can develop a little bit and turn into something that maybe they're missing in that wide receiver room. Yeah, I, I, and I could I could see him uh, having a very realistic chance for that. I, what I like about him is he brings a little bit different skill set than some of the other Packers receivers that are going to be on the team. And he definitely has NFL experience. We saw him in Seattle last year so. Um, that's definitely an interesting one. I'm going to go with an ultra dark horse candidate. Uh, you said super, so I'm going to say ultra. Ultra, nice. And and that is defensive lineman Willington Prevalon, who I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. It might be Prevalon. It might be Prevalon. I don't know. I don't know. But we've heard some good things about him from reporters in camp. And I think what gives him the greatest edge in making the roster is the utter lack of depth at defensive line. You have Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki. Those guys, to me, are locks. But then you have Tyler Lancaster, Montrevious Adams. And I think Prevalon needs to be in that conversation. And probably two of those players make the team. What, what I noticed... When he was at Rutgers, and I went back and saw some film, he, he's undersized for sure. And I think, you know, even there, he had a little bit of trouble holding up at the point of attack. And so certainly in the NFL, he's going to have that as well. But what I like about him is he has really nice athleticism, really nice bend, and he makes up for that. And so he may not be the stout, like, hold up the, the offensive linemen so the linebackers can get into the running lanes. But he might be a nice sub-package player. And I think they're missing that a little bit. I mean, we we hope Kingsley Kiki fills that role, but it's always nice to have a little bit of depth there. So um, I think he could have a chance. And I I would love to see this happen. And then there's a name here that you listed that probably is a casualty if he does make the team, and that may be Montrevious Adams. And uh, to me, I would like to see them take a gamble on a player like Prevalon or Prevalon or Provel, cheese. Provolone. Provolone. Um, but I, we've seen Adams get injured over and over again. And he just, he always is that guy, hey, we're really excited about the steps that Montrevious is taking. We think he can be that impact player. And then he's either injured or he just doesn't get on the field for whatever reason. And so um, if there is some upside to someone like Prevalon, I would love to see him get that chance. Um, and we've seen the Packers have some success with those late round defensive tackles in the past. And you're right. This is absolutely a position group that could use some depth and reinforcement behind someone like Kenny Clark. So I'm not going to disagree with you here on, on this show where I definitely should, but uh, I like your pick here. All right, final topic. Uh, we had to sub some things in because some decisions were made for us this week, but 
Should the Packers pay Aaron Jones? So based on the contract, the Bengals just gave to Joe Mixon, which averages about $12 million per year. Um, should the Packers sign Aaron Jones, knowing that that could be roughly what the market value is uh, for number 33? So I will start. And what's my stance on this, Kyle? Always Don't pay running backs. <laughs> pay running backs. Don't pay them. How did that work out for the Jags with Leonard Fournette? You have David Johnson. You have Todd Gurley. The list goes on and on. I love Aaron Jones, but it just doesn't make any sense to pay him what his market value should be when the salary cap is going to go down next year. And there's going to be a glut of running backs hitting the market, so you may be able to find a better value. You can get an Aaron Jones in the fifth round. You can get a Joe Mixon in the second. You can get an Alvin Kamara in the third. Running backs are everywhere, so please don't overpay for one and risk losing someone at a more valuable position. Like, give that money to Kevin King if you have it available. And that, to me, there's nothing wrong with the Packers going into next year and, and re-signing Jamal Williams to a team-friendly deal and having Jamal and A.J. Dillon and a rookie running back in the mix or maybe Dexter Williams or something. All right, so here we go. Um, I believe the Packers should approach... Uh, Aaron Jones next offseason, understanding that this is a guy that carries this offense. He might be the best Aaron on this team. And with the talent that this player has, you essentially have to say, we cannot put all of our eggs in the Jordan Love basket for the long term of this team. We have to approach Aaron Jones with essentially a blank check, knowing that the man is the entire offense. And so I, I don't I don't know if that's twenty one million I don't know what that looks like but Aaron Jones Christian McCaffrey money <laughs> All right I'm totally full of crap right now um, I don't agree with any of that but we're supposed to disagree on this show so um, we disagree about the degree to which Aaron Jones is a special player I think. Uh, just because you're a fifth-round pick doesn't mean you're a player that's going to be easy to replace. He's a very unique skill set as a receiver and a slippery runner. But even I am not paying Aaron Jones $12 million a year. I am not giving him the Joe Mixon contract. He's a great player. But I cannot fathom that kind of a contract for a running back. And it all depends on the kind of year that Aaron Jones has. If he posts stats in line with Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara, it's going to be tough to keep him, to even consider it. But even 9 or $10 million is probably more than I'm going to be willing to pay, as Andrew said, in an offseason that's going to have a reduced salary cap. So this is going to be really tough to see happening for me. But unless he's really willing to take that team-friendly deal and maybe an extension gets done in the middle of the season, maybe. But, man, it is growing the odds are not looking good for Aaron Jones to remain a Packer in my opinion so so here's something interesting uh running backs that are going to be free agents in in 2021 Kenyon Drake Todd Gurley uh Tariq Cohen obviously Joe Mixon just resigned so he won't be there but Kareem Hunt Philip Lindsley Aaron Jones Jamal Williams uh Marlon Mack Leonard Fournette Damian Williams Malcolm Brown, we don't know how his season with the Rams is going to be, but you have Matt Breida, Delvin Cook, James White, Elvin Kamara. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to scroll through this quickly. <laughs> Chris Carson, Derek Henry, and even Adrian Peterson. Um, so, like, that list is 
insane. The the running backs that are going to be available next offseason are, are going yeah. to be nuts, and we're going to see a decrease in salary cap. And so there's going to be too much supply and probably not enough demand of teams mm-hmm. that are going to be able to pay these guys. So we may... We may see that the Bengals maybe jumped ahead, but they have a they have a quarterback that's under a rookie deal, so they can afford to keep their yeah. uh, better offensive weapons happy for now. And um, the one thing that I did like about the Joe Mixon deal was that it looks like after year two, there's an out for the team without a lot of dead cap. So um, maybe Russ Ball can work his magic and structure the Aaron Jones deal and something that that would allow him to return. But yeah. that yeah. was us fighting. And it wasn't a very good fight. We did too much agreeing, but we tried. And um, that's all the time that we have for today. This has been Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we're going to be back next week to preview the Packers week one matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. Ah! so excited uh thanks for listening and as always remember